Hello, and welcome to the 20th episode of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. My name is Audrey. And I am Cher. We're the Queen Bees. And our podcast has officially beaten teen pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, no worries there. Yeah. 20 is a lot. Like, I feel like... Yeah. 20 um, is a weird age, though, because you feel like it means more than it does, I think. Where were we? Are we juniors when we were 20? Sophomores? Yeah, I turned 20 my junior year of college. That was my best year of my life. (laughs) I was living in San Andrews. I had a fab group of friends. That's great. I gained 40 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember, so the semester that I turned 20, my birthday's in June, and Ohio State used to be on quarters, so the end of spring quarter was usually either on or right around my birthday and I remember I was in this poetry class and it was like later at night so it was I was the youngest person there by far like everyone else was you doing like continuing education or just taking like fun classes you know as usually run into in like poetry writing classes um and our teacher who's a gem was like, oh, you know, I guess you guys have until June 1st to make up your quiz. And I was like, oh, it's my birthday. And somebody asked, like, oh, how old will you be? And I said 20. And I watched everyone in the room register that I was only 19. Because, <laughs> because I, like, I think I look older than I am. Or, like, I think I can always pass. Like, especially when I was younger, I think I could always kind of pass for, like, in her 20s. Yeah. And everyone there was, like, in their, like, mid to late 20s or 30s and all of them were like and like one kid that I'd been like semi-flirting with was looking at me like oh fuck this girl's a teenager yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I feel like it's hard to tell age on women yeah because I think I could still probably well I don't know I've got some fine lines and lines and gray hairs now but (laughs) like I feel like from afar Mm -hmm. I could still be in college yeah. I've, I've had people come up to me at conferences that I'm working all the time asking me if I'm an undergrad, and I'm like, uh-uh. go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I usually say, no, I'm a grown-up. Thank you. <laughs> well, I had, like, when I was 16, somebody told me I carried myself like I was, like, 22 years old. I was like, thank you. That is a compliment. But, but then when I was 18 and um, – I was at, like, this family event at a restaurant, and I had ordered a glass of wine because I was with family, and I was like, whatever. And the girl was like, oh, are you 21? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. And she was like, oh, my God, you look 14. I was super offended. No one had ever told me that I looked younger than I was. Well, maybe she was just exaggerating. She was like, own it. It's like, okay, well, I'm only, I want to be like, I'm 18. (laughs) But then that would have really undermined what I was trying to do. But still, I feel like when you're in your early 20s like you don't want to look younger than you are no and now it's like I would give anything to look like my 15 year old self like peak share 15 Mm-mm. I think I look better than I did in high school um well I don't my, <laughs> my hair has significantly thinned I'll post a picture of 15 year old share and everyone can be like yeah she was super hot <laughs> well everyone knows what senior in high school Audrey looks like from our oh Instagram my god stories. and I I think I, I rewatch it all the time. <laughs> I think the only difference between me in high school and me now is that my face is more of like a square or a heart shape as opposed to like a perfect circle. And like your outfits are all in color instead of partially in black and white filters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've stopped dressing like it's 
the early aughts because it's not anymore. Well, I wish it was. Speaking of the early aughts, I just saw the Backstreet Boys. Oh, <laughs> what a what a transition. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, the Backstreet. So Boys. I was just in Las Vegas um, to visit my friend Alec, who's my um, college best friend. And we went and saw the Backstreet Boys, who are a couple of hot dads <laughs> doing grapevines and, you know, still, they still got it. Yeah, I like that they still do things. It makes me happy. I guess I also like the idea that they, like, wanted to get back together. Like, they're just, mm-hmm. a, like, a bunch of friends who just, yeah. like, you know, really, like, enjoy singing in five-part harmony. Yeah, well, and, like, looking back, so Sharon and I are both of the boy band generation. Yes. Um, looking back, I think the Backstreet Boys were the more talented group, but I was 100% an NSYNC girl. And I also was an NSYNC girl. And I think we were texting about this in depth. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because Backstreet Boys had too many slow jams. And yes. those are boring. Yeah, I was like, I'm not interested in your harmonies. I'm interested in what I can, like, run around to. We want a lot of that na-na-na-na-na-na sound. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, like, that's what we were interested in in the 90s. Yeah. That's both. They both had it. Yeah. Do whatever you, that instrument is. Do you remember... Um, Digital Get Down by NSYNC? No. I mean, can you hum it? Um, I can sing the chorus. Okay, it's like, it. digital, digital, get down. Just you <laughs> and me will be miles and miles or something, something away. And but it like, sounds it's right. filthy. I've never It's like heard about it. having like computer sex. Oh my god! They, I know they, they were on old Max. Too. I know. Like, did they have Skype back then? <laughs> no, it was just, this like, just like AIM, just AIMing furiously. Oh my god! Um, yeah, I mean, well, in the beginning, it's like we're getting freaking freaking. Yeah, I feel like also Justin Timberlake is just like you know dirty. Like he's a little <laughs> bit dirtier than like I guess so like equivalent wise mm-hmm. like Nick. Carter is Justin Timberlake. Yes. For sure. Who, like, like Nick Carter... I was Carter, not into. I was never into Justin Timberlake either. I'm still not that into Justin Timberlake. Me either. Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> me either. So I will say I was interested in Nick Carter, but I think most of that was, like, because everyone was interested in Nick Carter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, like, what's very in right now is blonde boys with um, center part bowl cuts. Like, that is, like, what... The hottest you can that's get. That's the hottest you can get. Um, <laughs> and so so that is what I was interested in. I've never been into that into blondes. I just... They're not for me. Me either, really. I mean, I don't know. I guess I just I, feel like... But I was a Brian fan. Well, Brian's a dirty blonde. Yeah. And Brian, I think, also just seems very nice. He seemed very stable to me. Yes. But he then, is very but then, stable. Okay, so I say I'm not into blondes, but my favorite NSYNC member was Lance Bass. Me too! Me too! I was all in. But also, okay, so I thought, like, I was not into Justin Timberlake... But half of the reason that I wasn't that into him was because, he, like, I thought he was the obvious choice. Yes. And I was like, I want to be different. Okay. And, and like, and JC, like, Mo really liked JC. JC is so it hot. felt like copying yeah, I to, like, totally JC, even though I did like JC. Um, JC is really hot. He's He was handsome. Yeah. I, yeah. And I thought he was also, he was, like, to me, like, a co-leader with Justin. Like, I thought they were, like, the two upfront members and then everybody else was kind of in the back but I was a Lance fan so um 
Brian and Lance, I think, would be equivalents. Ex- really? See, I think Brian and JC are the equivalents. And I think, hmm. um, what's his name? Kevin and Lance are the equivalents. See, I, AJ and Chris are equivalents, and then Howie and Joey are equivalents. Okay, now, okay, so now I'm really familiar with the Backstreet Boys names, and I don't know any of the insects. <laughs> so Chris is to... the one whose hair used to look like a pineapple. Who was okay, super ugly. So see, I would see, I would pair Chris with Kevin because they both what? have that. No. Don't they both have that kind of beard look? Yeah, but Chris and AJ were the ugly ones. <laughs> really? See, I've huh? Interesting. AJ's less ugly than Chris, but Chris and AJ I thought were like the ugly ones. Okay. And then Howie and Joey Fatone are the ones that everyone forgets, forgets. about. Yeah. Yep. Um. Kevin and Lance are, like, handsome, but, like, weirdly in the background, but, like, have their group, like, they have their fans. The thing is, is that Kevin is really hot. Kevin like, is very hot. Like, I never... He has sharp features. Very sharp features. They <laughs> always have him in a long leather trench coat, which, like... Why wouldn't you? I mean, but now, <laughs> like, so he has, like, hair my length at this point and I don't like that Kevin no I don't like it he did come out wearing a pussy hat though and I was like I do like that so (laughs) he's political he is a feminist also his wife and children were sitting in the same section as us so they were very close to us precious and like he had very sweet kids and I just kind of imagined being them and coming and you know, having kids ask, like, what does your dad do? And they're like, oh, you know, he's a backstreet boy. Speaking like, of having sweet kids, I do have to do a corrections corner. Oh, God. Yeah. Go hit it. <laughs> David Beckham is not a sex addict. He's, I, thank God. Okay, but I figured out why I thought that. Because why? even after I did my Googling, which was funny, so I Googled David Beckham sex addict, as you do. Right. Um, and the first thing that came up on my Google search was David Duchovny's sex addict. Which I was like, okay. Okay, well, we knew that um, one. Let, hold on, let me flip to my corrections corner that I wrote out. Okay. <laughs> David Beckham is not a sex addict. Um, according to an ex-teammate from Real Madrid, Antonio Cassano, oh who is a sex addict. Ah. So I think that's where I got it from because he gave the interview in, like, The Star, which is, like, a very trashy British magazine. So I think it was like sex addict Antonio Cassano says David Beckham's a really great guy, right? Because he, um, I'm quoting Cassano, but sex addict is fifty times larger. Exactly. Than nice so guy. I saw David Beckham's picture and David sex Beckham addict and sex addict are both the same size, and then his name and nice guy. And then are something small. about like Victoria still loves him. Um, <laughs> Cassano says Beckham rejected constant advances. Quote, David was perfect, and he um, was a good person, too. 100% of girls wanted to get to know him, but it wasn't possible because he had a wife and kid. Oh, my God. I know. David Beckham. And then in a GQ interview (laughs) that I later read, um, because I say, very sorry, David, but... (laughs) But as, oh, I said, I'm very sorry, David, but as your GQ interview in 2016 says, I'm 40. I've got four amazing kids and an amazing wife, amazing parents, amazing in-laws, amazing friends who I trust. It doesn't matter what people say. Oh. So I was like, okay, I'm absolved of any (laughs) guilt. Well, I feel like you've definitely made up for it. Like, he got a big highlight. He's, I think he's fine. Yeah, he's a stand-up guy. He and Victoria raised lovely, supportive children. Yeah. 
Um, but in my Google search, I did find articles about David Duchovny, David Bowie, and oh. Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Well, that's a And dark I wrote, Harvey hole. Weinstein, you're not an, a sex addict, you're a sociopath. Yes, correct. So, um, <laughs> so speaking of stable men, so uh, Brian, I think, should have been everyone's crush because mm-hmm. he got married 20 years ago, is still married to the same woman. What a delight. Like, he brought his mom up on stage a few weeks ago. Uh, not when I was there. But um, anyway, like, I think that nice. he is the most stable of the Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Nick got married in 2014. I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> he, I will say, comes off as an arrogant jerk. Yeah, that's how he always kind of came off to me because he was always the one who would be like, "Am I sexual?" <laughs> I hate that part. And then everyone's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, like, I guess like he also to me was just like the pretty one. Yeah. Like he was very pretty. He's not into it. Um, but so like he was like doing like a lot of kind of like gross stuff like he, like, took a sip out of a water bottle and was like, this water bottle has my mouth on it. And now I'm signing it. Like, who wants it? And, like, all the, like... Disgusting. I know. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm like, please, I would much prefer a sponge that has Bruce Springsteen's sweat on it. <laughs> Nick Carter. God. Um, so, so that was, like, I don't know. I, like, I just basically didn't like him. I also think he was accused of sexual assault recently, and I'm like, yeah, I believe that. We might have to do a correct report on that. <laughs> no, he, uh, that's true. Okay. Like, I don't I don't know. Like I, he definitely was accused. I don't know if it's okay. been like investigated or where we are on it, but that that happened for sure. Nicholas. Yeah. Um Shania Twain was also there. Like she didn't come on <laughs> Did stage. You say was also accused of sexual No, assault? no, like, she Shania, was also what? she was also at the show. And so like all these police were like there and like we were like who is there that's famous and I'm like I I will I want it to be Aaron Carter more than anything <laughs> like he like I never was into Aaron Carter well I'm not really either but I just think it would be cool yeah when I when I saw yeah. Britney Jamie Lynn was there so Oof. I thought it would be like you know a nice the effed up younger sibling <laughs> of a successful pop star being there while I'm there Perfect. um but yeah their their choreography couldn't have been cuter. Um, yeah, they it do was, some good dancing. Time. They really do. A fun story about everybody by Backstreet Boys is that it appears in the end of the film "This Is the End," which is. Do you know that movie? No. It's um so it's got like Seth Rogen I don't know any and movie. <laughs> it's got Seth Rogen and James Franco and basically they're all playing themselves or like oh, parodies of themselves. Yep. I've watched a little bit of um, this with Brendan. Yeah, and like at the end of the movie they all do like a dance to everybody. Like wearing oh, all white. That sounds and great. <laughs> it's very funny and very fun. Um, because it's like they're all like angels or something, and then like the Backstreet Boys come out as like the leaders of the angels. Oh my <laughs> it's, god! It's great, and my dad loved that movie so much that he bought the song Everybody. And like one time when I was visiting home, I woke up and I just heard like that blaring through our house. And my dad will play it in the car when we drive places, so it'll it's be a like good song. Steely Dan. Yep. And then Everybody by yep. the Backstreet Boys. That makes sense to me. And then the opening bit of Viva La Vida. <laughs> but, that, but only the opening bit. We don't want to hear because it. that part really. Um, that part my dad likes because it's in the movie The Big Year, which is about bird watching, mm. and has um, Steve Martin in it. 
and Owen Wilson. And one time he played the beginning and he was like pumping his fists and he was like, doesn't this just make you want to like go out and look at some birds? No. <laughs> no, it does not. So sweet. But <laughs> every time we that. go to the beach, my dad will be like, it's, you know, I'm doing my big year. There's oh. a herring. <laughs> Speaking of your dad, he's been listening. He has been listening. It so is shout out. Yeah. Shout out Pete Schultz. I don't know if you'll ever get this far, but if you do, cool. I bet he will. Yeah. I mean, it immediately made me want to go back and listen to the beginning episodes. I'm like, what is he hearing right now? Um, I, the one that I worry about of? is that one, um, the Manhattan Beach episode where we talk about, about a lot sex of sex. a lot. Yeah. yeah. What about That's the one I, I told my mom, maybe just, you should skip it. Just blame that one on Tyler. It's Tyler's <laughs> fault, yeah. I miss Tyler. I know, I miss him too. We haven't seen him for months. We haven't seen him since we recorded the episodes with him. I know. She we miss you, it. Tyler, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I saw Black Panther this weekend. Yes. Oh, my God. I want to see it. Oh, my God. It's w- so good. I watched, um, speaking of somebody who never watches movies in their life, I watched Iron Man last night while Ooh. I was working my shift. Yeah, because I was like, I basically was trying to figure out, like, who can I see Black Panther with now? Because Brendan's gone. I for... mean, I'll see it again 100%. Okay, great. I have movie I'll see pass. You. Okay, great. Great, yeah. I'll see you with you. Um, Brendan's gone for six weeks, no. though. And so now I'm like, well, like anything I want to do now seems impossible because <laughs> I now I'm gonna have to find like somebody who's willing to do it with me I'm gonna have to plan it mm-hmm. it's I don't know and also like I'm terrified of being broken into now yeah because That's I came fair. home last night and there was dirt all over my carpet and I texted Brendan and I'm like did you do this I won't be mad but I honestly am just worried there's someone in my house yeah He's like, yeah, sorry, it was my hiking boots. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thank I'm like, God. I'm like, that's good because I've been carrying my pepper spray around the house. That's horrible. That's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Um, Black Panther, though. Yeah, let's it, hear about it. Okay, so Black Panther made me feel like watching Iron Man for the first time did, where you were like, I'm watching something new and interesting. And, like, I think it's the most, like, prescient Marvel okay. movie. And also, it's maybe... an I don't want to say the only, but the, like, point of it and, like, the questions and, like, the thematic elements of the movie are among <laughs> Brendan. going to happen. Um, are among the most, like, relevant and interesting of any Marvel movie. Because I feel like, especially with origin stories, like, and superhero movies, like, the point of the movie is usually just, like... We're saving the world from someone who wants to take it over. Or, you know, like, this person's drunk with power. But this movie was about, like, it dealt with, like, the refugee crisis. Because Wakanda is this very wealthy and, like, technologically advanced nation. But they're kind of afraid to let the world in on their secret. And so they kind of Mm. pretend like they're a third world country. And Lupita Nyong'o's character um, really advocates for kind of spreading aid and like helping the world because she she says you know I can't stay here in Wakanda when I know that we could do so much more to help people and Michael B. Jordan's character grows up in Oakland and Mm. he's like you know you guys have really shut yourself off from the rest of the world and like the rest of like the black community of like the global black community in general and that's really fucked up. Mm. And so it shows, you know, the Black Panther character, T'Challa, 
really kind of grappling with those questions because it's the way like Wakanda has always done things and he wants to be a good king like his dad but he kind of sees that argument of like maybe it's wrong or immoral to you know not help people in the world when you can so it's really um it's really lovely um Chadwick Boseman Michael B. Jordan dolls both um some people have been saying it's almost like if like Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X were superheroes and fought each other because oh. Michael B. Jordan's character is kind of like a Malcolm X where he thinks that um, um, like the Wakandans should rise up in violence. Okay. And kind of is like... Is he a superhero too? He like... He like not to give too many spoilers away, but it's like you basically find out his lineage is not what you thought. Okay. And so he kind of like... Because he challenges T'Challa for the throne. So they kind of fight it out. Whereas T'Challa is like, you've let your hatred for, like, the people in power kind of poison your heart. And it's not right to just kill everyone. Because he, like, wants to use the, um, what's it called? I want to say adamantium. Is that right? Sounds right. Vibranium? Whatever they have. It's, like, the substance, it's, like, the most powerful in the world. And it's what... Captain America's shield is made out of. I think it's vibranium, and it's what um, is that what their suit is made out of. Is that what's in the core of Iron Man's thing? Maybe. Um, but basically, they can they use that to make really powerful weapons and also have really advanced technology. Okay. And he wants to like give um, Michael B. Jordan's character wants to give those weapons to like disadvantaged people. Okay. Across the world. Okay. And T'Challa's like, no, that's not, that's, like, doing the same thing that, like, white colonialists did to you. Right. To Africa in general. And that's not what we should be doing. I'm excited to see it. It looks great. I've heard, like, nothing but good things about it. Yeah, and it's also, like, very feminist. Deny, um, I, I'm going to mispronounce her last name. I think it's, like, Guerrera. Guerra. Oh, are you talking about Michonne? Michonne from The Walking Dead. She plays, like, a general in the army, and it's, yeah. like, a whole army of women, and they're, like, badasses. I love her so much. Lupita's a spy. Yes. Also, Lupita and Chadwick Boseman, who plays the Black Panther, they have, like, they like each other. They have kind of a romance, mm-hmm. and it's, like, they've broken it off because Lupita wants to be out in the world, like, helping and, like, spreading Wakanda's message. And, obviously, Chadwick Boseman's character has to stay in Wakanda. And, like, it's one of the best superhero romances I've ever seen. Because one of my least, like, they're I shitty. love. All the they're horrible. One Like, superhero movies are some of my favorite. It's some of my favorite movies to go and see in the theaters. But... The female part in any superhero movie is almost always the shittiest. And they always get this great actress. Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts. Um, Lois Lane. Yeah. Um, whatever. Um, I think Jane is Natalie Portman's name in Thor. It's like they always get great actresses. And then it's this piece of shit part that makes yeah. these actresses look bad. Like Amy Adams in those, which is not Marvel, so it's almost like it's even it's unfair but Lois Lane in Batman versus Superman exists oh. to like fall off buildings yeah and i'm sorry that is criminal to do to Amy Adams who is among the most talented actresses in Hollywood right. and needs an oscar more than Leonardo DiCaprio ever did right um 
So, yeah. But this movie doesn't do that. Like, Lupita and Denai both have amazing parts. And, oh, my gosh, um, the Black Panther's little sister is the one who, like, invents all the technology. Yeah, And she's incredible, and she's super fun. She's like a Ginny Weasley, if Ginny Weasley, like, knew how to, like, you're heal a bigger, people. And... You're a bigger Ginny Weasley fan than me, though. Okay, I'm reading the part in the sixth book right now, though, where Ginny's kind of cool. Because normally I yeah. don't give a shit about Ginny. Yeah. Um, But I'm reading the part where she's, like, kind of scrappy and fun. And this girl, and, like, she kind of, like, she has a relationship with T'Challa that's, like, kind of fun. Because she, like, makes fun of him. She'll be like, oh, my king. And he'll be like, no, don't do that. Don't be weird. So. Well, very I'm, I'm very excited to see it um, with you. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will say, so, like, Iron Man now also, like, seems so like it's basically about like the military industrial complex I know. <laughs> it's like it's like well what? that movie and that's why i kind of compared that to black panther where i remember not wanting to see it when it first came out and then when i watched it when it came out on video it seemed like such a realistic origin story and it also was about something more than yeah. iron man becoming iron man but it also like is a lot of like toxic masculinity and yeah. like whatever but but it's also like they didn't know um if that movie didn't work then all these movies would never have been made i love iron man me too but i think i mean with how much like it seems like black panther has made changes in yes. like the superhero world mm-hmm. it felt like iron man felt very traditional Mm-hmm. Not as traditional as boring as fuck Captain America. Yeah, but that first Captain America movie halfway through, it is I remember so thinking, like, is this about boring. anything? <laughs> so He's boring. just running around. I watched that with Olivia, and, like, we were so excited to see it, and we were like, this could not have been more boring. I will never I see also, another one. I'm just not interested in Chris Evans. No, me either. He's too... I like Robert Downey pretty, Jr. Yes. Yeah. I like Chadwick Boseman as well. Mm. Well, I haven't seen him really... I mean, we saw him for, like, five seconds in... Yeah. Well, and that's another. I think it's, it was a great move for them to get, um, get his father's death out of the way in Civil War, and like his mourning. Because otherwise, I, I think I didn't see Civil War. I'm behind. Yes, you did. You saw it with me. When did his dad die? In the beginning. That's why he's in the movie. Because his dad dies, so he becomes the Black Panther, and that's why he wants to kill Bucky. Because remember Bucky? that <laughs> he's the Winter Soldier. It's been a while. So remember the explosion in the beginning? No. Okay. I don't remember any of it. I'm going to have to re-see it's it. On, it's on it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix? Okay, yeah. good. So basically his dad dies in Civil War, and so he kind of goes on that journey then as opposed to, like, making that his origin story, which I think would have been the most boring thing Yeah, boring, ever. boring, boring. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the problem with movies for me is that they are too much content for me mm-hmm. to remember. Yeah. So... I mean, if you've only seen it once a few years ago, then it's really, like, who cares? Well, we saw it together, and you have a much better memory of it. Well, I've seen it. it twice now. Okay, I saw it once. Um, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say about Oh, I read this really, really interesting article on Refinery29 about how Black Panther is also a really interesting example of, like, kind of dealing with, like, what they call black excellence and also saying, like, like the Wakandans are basically like um, 
like black communities that have separated themselves from Mm -hmm. other like traditionally black neighborhoods or like who have kind of like moved on from poverty or like escaped poverty and then kind of isolate themselves like don't like work then to like give that back into the community and so it's like asking the questions of like what are the ethics of that and like obviously like Wakanda is such a beacon of hope for so many people but then it's also like it's shitty that they isolate themselves and like don't do more to help the people in the continent that they live in or the people in the world that they live in so very interesting I'm very interested to see it Mm -hmm. very well done I was also very happy that it had such a great release weekend yeah. I also very much want Lupita Nyong'o and Michael B. Jordan to be dating in real life because every time I see pictures of them together, they look like they're in love. He also recently lost a bet to her where he has to do a push-up whenever she asks him to. Very fun. fun. Very fun. And I can even very delicately transition us into our swing time discussion because when I was watching Black Panther, I was like, oh, Michael B. Jordan's kind of like the Tracy Mm. and Black Panther um, T'Challa is kind of like the narrator in that like what what's part of what's great about Black Panther is that Michael B. Jordan's character is the quote unquote villain but you understand his motivation so perfectly and it's all very reasonable you're just like your message is good but your like your plan for how to go about it is bad Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you also understand that he's totally a product of his upbringing and, like, everything that has happened to him. Yeah. So it's, like, you you kind of want him to be okay still, even though you're, like, I do want you to lose, though, because I don't agree with your methods. I don't know that I wanted Tracy to lose, though. Not Tracy to lose. Um. But just in the, like, in the Black Panther scheme, like, you want him to lose. But, like, why you're, like, Tracy is not, well, Tracy does lose. Well, does she? Which is what's hard. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess that is something to debate. But the, I have to say that, I mean, we shouldn't jump here already, but the ending of Swing Time, I was very bummed out when I finished this book. So I finished it one hour ago and okay. was crying on the rooftop of the car barn. <laughs> not like not like crying, crying, but like I did, I did, you know, well up. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I guess like we shouldn't get there. We should end there. Yeah, we should end with that. But uh, let's see. There, there's this this section like really goes all over the place. Yes, it does. Like, and we go very far in time. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing, though. So, had, did you reread the prologue? No, but I was thinking about it a lot. So, I read, I reread the prologue, and it's like, it turns out, like, you can know from the beginning of the book that she's sleeping with Lamin. Oh, Lamin. really? Yeah. Which, like, to me, when that happened in the book, it came out of nowhere. Yes, I agree. And I was like, no. And I still, like, don't even quite, like, buy Sleep that. Sleep with Fern. She doesn't like Fern. So. But she doesn't really like so him So mad at her for not liking Fern. She, Fern. The heart wants what it wants, Audrey. Whatever. What a dumb choice. <laughs> um, because we start, we start this section kind of like she's in college. Yeah. With that horrible boyfriend. Ra- Rakim. Rakim. 
Or no, wait. Why is do that, I have Ramen written down? That is not his name. Ramin? Are we sure? It's Rakim. It's definitely Rakim. <laughs> the first word I saw on this page was boy toy. What is this from? I think probably about Lamin or Lummy. Um, well, speaking of whatever his name is. Oh, it is Rakim. Why did I write Ramen? I probably did diminish him. So he thinks he's a half god. Rakim? Yes. Like but, no, but like he like legitimately believes that. Yeah, because he's of African descent. Right. And basically like she is not allowed to compete with him. She's only allowed to support him because she has to be like the mother earth, <laughs> which yes. is like the black woman's true role. Yes. Wow, I have a passage here. I'm gonna go for it. Who knows what this is? He was um, such a piece of shit. He really was. A sociopath, probably. He definitely was a sociopath. <laughs> so I think. Oh, okay. This is this passage I picked because I thought it was a good like picture of what it's like to be in like an abusive relationship. Okay. Okay. Um, but at the time, I didn't blame him for behaving in this way, or feel I loved him any less. My instinct was always to find the fault in myself. Mm. I know. My biggest flaw at the time, in his view and my own, was my femininity, which was the wrong kind. Woman in Rakim's schema was intended to be the earth. She grounded man who was himself pure idea, who dropped science. And I was in his judgment far from where I should be, at the root of things. I did not grow plants or cook food, never spoke of babies or domestic matters, and competed with Rakim when, when and where I should have been supportive. Romance was beyond me. It required a form of personal mystery I couldn't manufacture and disliked in others. I couldn't pretend that my legs do not grow hair or that my body does not excrete a variety of foul substances or that my feet are not flat as pancakes. I could not flirt and saw no purpose in flirting. I did not mind dressing up for strangers when out at college parties or if we went up to London for the clubs. Um... But in our rooms, within our intimacy, I could not be a girl, nor could I be anyone's baby. I could only be a female human, and the sex I understood was of the kind that occurs between friends and equals, bracketing conversation, like a shelf of books between bookends. These deep faults, Rakim traced back to the blood of my father, running through me like a poison. But it was also my own doing, my own mind, too busy in itself. A city mind, he called it, this kind that can never know peace because it is nothing natural to meditate upon, only concrete and images and images of images. Simulacra. Simulacra. Okay, what is that? I, like, know the word, but I couldn't define define it. it. Okay. As we said back then, the cities have corrupted me, making me mannish. (sighs) It's just, like, it's just It's so sad that that's how he makes her feel. Well, I think it's also a testament, though, to the way that the narrator was was raised, was that the way that she naturally acts is as an equal and as Mm -hmm. somebody who, you know, deserves, Mm -hmm. like, you know, she's not embarrassed of her, like, you know, the hair on her legs or whatever. But he makes her feel ashamed that she doesn't feel ashamed. Yeah. And... It's just really fucked up. 
Right. Well, and I think this was one of my favorite, like, despite hating Rakim so much, this was one of my favorite parts of the book because I liked all of the contradictions in it and I liked how complex the narrator seemed in it, whereas usually she seems kind of like a fly on the wall and you're kind of, like, desperate to get into her head a little bit more. Yeah. I feel like this part was really interesting because it shows... You know, like, I like the idea that, you know, he makes fun of her for, I mean, I didn't like that he made fun of her for it, but I like that she liked it anyway. He makes fun of her for liking, you know, like, Fred Astaire and for celebrating um, black dancers that are sometimes even, like, pulling on or, like, performing for white audiences. And he sees that as, like, this horrible thing and does, like, a really mean impression of, like, oh, master, you know, like. Um, basically saying that they're not doing that for themselves. Um, but I liked that she was like, you know, I liked it anyway. And I liked Ghostbusters. And I liked, you know, things that were in pop culture. But I also liked, you know, those the dancers that I liked and, like, yeah. all that stuff. Um, but then there's a passage, too, where, like, Rakim is always talking about how, like, people um, – it says – why did he think it was so important for me to know that Beethoven dedicated a sonata to a mulatto violinist or that Shakespeare's dark lady was uh, really was dark or the Victorian or that Queen Victoria had uh, deigned to raise a child of Africa bright as any white girl? I did not want to rely on each European fact having its African shadow as if without the scaffolding of the European fact, everything African might turn to dust in my hands. It gave me no pleasure to see that sweet-faced girl dressed like one of Victoria's own children frozen in a formal photograph with a new kind of cord round her neck. I always wanted life, movement. So it's like despite the fact that she likes all these things that he's like, you shouldn't like that, and like you need to be more interested in nature and like less interested in the city because it's, you know, oppressing us. He also is like desperate for like he clearly privileges European culture as like the ultimate or like Western civilization as being you know primary and then like and so he's like desperate to show that African culture is really seeped into that all along and mm-hmm. she's like I don't need that I don't want that I can you know I can celebrate African and black culture all on my own right but did you also so we find out too that her mom is not African. She's Caribbean. Or she's from the Caribbean. Yeah, didn't you? I got the vibe because she keeps talking about, like, the similarity between the place she is in Africa and, like, her mom's upbringing. And, like, well, because her mom was talking about, you know, like, we're from an island um, at some point when she's with the noted activist. who I Although, was, were they always from that island or were they from originally from Africa and then brought to the island in the slave trade? I'm not sure. So that's That's very possible. Which also brings me to something that I wanted to say where I think I I feel like I said something stupid last week where I kind of compared the narrator and her mother, um, like, kind of, I don't want to say appropriating, but, like, using, like, the image of Africa as, like, similar to, like, Italians wearing a horn or, like, people, like, longing for their home country because, obviously, a lot of people of African descent did not come to those places willingly. Right. Like, some people left Africa for the same reasons that people left Italy or Ireland, right. where it was, like, for more economic opportunity, but that's more of a modern thing. Right. And we don't know, you know, obviously a lot of people left because of the slave trade. 
in that. So like that, like the longing for, right. And so it's like the longing for the life you never got the chance to have. Right. I feel like is very real. And then that's why it's so interesting when the narrator is in Africa, because it's like, she still doesn't really fit there. And Hawa even calls her a white person. Yeah. Although she does, I think by the end of the book, Mm -hmm. I think she has like found her place there. Yes. And I think, which I kind of enjoyed. I enjoyed that too. She opens herself up and understands her own failings. Yeah. Like, it's not a problem. Like, I like that it, it's, like, not that it was a problem with Africa that she wasn't fitting in. She realized it was a problem with her and her own, like, British expectations of what the world should be like. And so yeah. when she kind of puts that aside. But then there's that bit where it's, like, yeah, we would do that and say we were so changed. And then a week later, we'd be throwing away half-empty water bottles. Right. Um. Except for Fern. Yeah. Fern is the only one who I think... 12 out of 10. Yeah. Well, but I do think um, one of the most interesting parts of this book for me was just, like, putting more of a critical eye on... We talked about this a little bit last week, but, like, a critical eye on charity and, like, what, Mm -hmm. what is that? And, like, I think the idea that we, like, sometimes people provide stuff that people don't actually need or it's like not like for example like Amy buys all these computers for the school and like but that's not like the thing that's actually making a difference the thing that's making a difference is the fact that Fern like built a vegetable garden and so Mm -hmm. like they can tend that there and they don't have to leave in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. to like get food and like like I think that they're just is a tendency to throw money at stuff that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Well, and also just, like, the idea of charity being so noble that it's beyond reproach and that yeah. Amy has a real effect on the community that nobody really foresaw in that the government starts not to give the village as much help as it used to because it yeah. just assumes, oh, Amy will come in with more of her money right. and help them or, you know... Like, they're getting, they kind of betrayed Africa or something by taking all this white money. And also being in league with a leader of a country that's not really very good. Right. Like, the president of that African country is said to be corrupt and not really acting in the best interest of his people. But yet, like, they need his partnership to continue the school. And so they kind of just turn a blind eye. Yeah. I really liked this line about kind of this whole thing that I think is, like, it encapsulates it very well, where, like, Amy's money built the school, but it didn't contain the school. Mm -hmm. Like, it kind of, like, developed beyond what she... because of Fern. Because of Fern. Because I think... Because the thing is, the difference is is that Fern, like, spent time in this community. He Mm -hmm. talked to people. Mm -hmm. He figured out what people needed, and it's like oh, half of the class is leaving because they need to pray in the middle of the day mm-hmm. and half of the class is leaving because they need to go work so that their family can eat. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how can we solve these two issues mm-hmm. and keep these kids in school? And then he, like, addresses those problems. Well, and then Amy wants them to all have a space where they can talk about, like, sexuality and sexual violence, which is very It's nice. a good thing. And when, like, it's very moving when she says, you know, like, it happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to, you know, if you're in a room with 30 girls, everyone, there's yeah. at least two who have a secret. Right. And and then so Fern kind of is like, okay, 
you know, that's a good thing, but we really need to be careful about how we go about it because I feel like Amy is just like, well, it's a good thing, so just do it. Right. And that's not how it works. Right. Well, and I think, like, those issues are so much more complicated than I think Amy has any, like, idea about. I think because, like, ideas about consent Mm -hmm. and, like, eligibility and stuff like that are not the same everywhere. And you can't just assume that everybody else is going to feel the same way as you. And it's just... And you also can't go into another country with the idea of your culture is wrong. Right. Like, if there's cultural resistance to this school or something that the school is doing, it's because their culture is wrong and that needs to change. You have to respect that other parts of the world are different and figure out, like Fern did, how you move toward these great goals of having these girls in school while also not, like, spitting in the face of these people that have lived in this land for, you know, probably centuries. Right. Well, and then it's very interesting, too, because while the girls are now advancing and doing well, the boys are all floundering. And so it's sort of like you addressed one issue, but now you've created, like, huge disparity in the community. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I just thought I thought, thought all that was like very interesting and I, it, it changed the way I kind of think about charity and mm-hmm. um, this whole like Lamin and Amy storyline is bizarre to me as well. Stupid. It's yeah, I mean they fall in love with each other. Or she falls no, in love with him. No, I don't him. think he's ever in love with her. He's just like, okay. He's like, I would love to come to America. Thank you. <laughs> like, I like I think that's that's his motivation is, like, he's, like, she's giving him all of this stuff. Yeah. And, like, which is not to say, like, he's prostituting himself. Like, I'm not yeah. I'm not Because he's not, that. like, a very materialistic person. No, but I think he wants out. Like, mm-hmm. he wants to leave. And yeah. I think that Amy is a ticket out for him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that he's willing to play that part for a period of time mm-hmm. and then he's not. Yeah. Well, because he, he wants children. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of um, children, I'm just, like, very bummed out about Hawa. Me too! <laughs> Marrying that fundamentalist. Who, like, who would basically, like, steal all her light. Yeah, well, she's not able to do any of the things that she loved. Like, she's not able to dance anymore. She can't wear her cool clothes. She can't wear her cool clothes. Like, she can't be in the presence of other men. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, really... It's bullshit. It's really sad. Well, and then... Well, that's what I think what I really also appreciate about Fern is that, you know, the narrator's obviously very upset about all of this, and she, you know, is like, this is horrible, and he... He's the one who can always see the other side. Yeah. And say, you know, well, I mean, if you think about it from her perspective, she's a bright girl. She works her ass off all the time. You know, maybe she doesn't want to do that forever. And if she doesn't want to do that forever, she has to leave. I just wish she didn't marry this particular person. Well, I also think, too, though, that, like, I think... The narrator says, like, well, like, she can't possibly be happy. And I think Lamont mm-hmm. says, like, yeah, well, like, 
That's o- not. Like only, he's a, like, they always impl- like call her an American, even though she's not American, mm-hmm. but like only Americans like like, care about, yeah, only <laughs> Americans care about happiness. Like yeah, that's, that's not the goal for yeah. us. Like for them, it's like basically to like get by. Yeah. And, um, like I think this whole idea of like fil- like ultimate fulfillment and whatever yeah, is like, like not a thing. Yeah. I also thought it was very interesting that um, for all of her talk, um, the narrator's mother was never interested in visiting Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Or even she kind of pulls away. You find out later that when she was kind of giving Amy a hard time about the school, it was because Miriam was really upset about the dictator. Yeah. And that was ruling there and she was like I have people here from all these different countries I don't want to think about the global world which I thought was really kind of interesting and I didn't know if it was almost like Zadie Smith was offering a little bit of a critique of the mother or if it was just saying you can really only do things locally like thinking about I don't know that it was necessarily a critique but I think it's, it's also like, like a different perspective. Well, it's like another way to do things. Like I yeah. think that like you have two people who are making like significant changes mm-hmm. and like doing very hard work, like Fern and the mother. Yeah. And I think I mean the mother who's like I mean she's obviously flawed and like we know that, but yeah. it's also like you can't ever accuse her of not trying her best and like working hard yeah well and when she does pull away from direct community involvement tracy kind of calls her on it in a psychotic way but a lot of the arguments that tracy makes i think are valid in that she's like you're on tv all the time and like our community's not getting better yeah which i think is a critique of a lot of activists where it's like which I don't think that the mother is in any way in it for the fame. I mean, I do think that she craved respect. Yeah. But I think she did think, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm an MP, then I'll finally have the power to be able to really help the people from where I'm from. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. And one person can't do that. So Tracy was like a little unfair, but at the same time had some points. Well, but I also think... Like, Tracy's harassment of the mother, like, clearly has really nothing to do with the mother. It has everything to do with, basically, like, Tracy feeling inadequate as a child in her presence. And, like, yeah. and not... And, and I think the narrator's mother is not that nice to Tracy when she's a child. No. Like, she's only willing to help her once she's separated from her daughter. And and I think mm-hmm. that Tracy has never forgiven her for that and maybe Tracy possibly even blames the mom for the reason that they're not still friends yeah well I mean I'm sure she thinks that I don't know that the narrator thought that she stole but then you see that they do kind of have a reconciliation when she's in that bra- or that West End show who does? Tracy and the narrator which is after the money thing when Tracy's dancing in Guys and Dolls. But she doesn't see her. Oh, oh, yeah, when yeah. oh, when she's, like, working backstage. Yeah, and yeah. they're, like, friends again, and then they stop being friends again because Tracy sends her this letter that's like, I saw your dad having sex with a sex doll. Yeah, what? Which, okay, like, now that this has been brought up, who the fuck cares? <laughs> I know. I, it's he's almost, not, though, it's, like, he's not hurting why, anyone. <laughs> right, so that, though, to me, is kind of a reason... To say, I don't want Tracy in my life anymore. Because that is, 
her saying, I, you know, if it were, if he were having sex with a woman, I just wouldn't have told you. There's no reason for her to have told her that other than to, other than the thought of like, I hate my father and he was fucked up and ruined my life. And so you don't get to have the opinion of your father that he's a, like a good person. But Which, I like, I don't, don't think that, I think that the narrator should have been like, okay, that's a huge bummer to have to find <laughs> that out. Even if it's true or not, like nobody wants to have that image in their head of no. their dad, you know, having sex with a blow up doll. <laughs> but no, literally, no one would ever want that information. But but so the, but the get way over that, it. But also the way that it was set up in the book earlier on, like I'm like he must have raped Tracy or yes. like something. Like I mean, it was like it was she never looked at him the same again. Yeah. I'm like, why did this destroy her whole relationship with him? <laughs> That's why doing that in novels is some risky shit. Yeah. Doing we, that we in judge any, the dad the rest of the book. Yes. Well, and in TV shows too, when you set up that idea of you don't understand it, this event, we don't know what the event is yet, changed my opinion of this person or changed the effect of this forever. And it was such a huge deal. And then, so you have these expectations built up and built up and you're like, I've got to know what happened. I've got to know what the secret is. And then you find it out and you're like, so fucking what? Right. This was what I was waiting for was that he was on top of a blow up doll. But also like, is that even true? No. Like, like, I mean, like, I mean, we maybe. don't know. Maybe, but I maybe could not. I could see it. I, I thought it, it was going to be that he was having sex with a man. And that, and in that, I could kind of see being like, oh my God, like. But why? She doesn't care when her mom is dating a woman. No, I know. But I think like, there's like an initial shock maybe of like, oh my gosh, you know, like he was in love with my mom and now he's interested in men. Like, I don't, I don't know. But even that I would have been like, okay, like get over it. Right. I mean, I, I just like, thought. I never looked at my dad the same way again. I, I, I was thought like, it, shut up. I thought it must have been that. Like something like I thought maybe Tracy had had sex with them basically like, yes. like that's what I thought must have happened. Which she returned too quickly, so I was like, I guess that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like one minute later, I'm like, all right, like that's not enough time that's to too fast and get it done. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, to, to me, like that that um, revelation didn't yeah. live up to right. My I could see looking at your dad and being like, Ugh. but getting over it. And or deciding that th- didn't happen. That Tracy's a liar. But then saying, I don't necessarily want Tracy to be a big part of my life anymore because yeah. this is the kind of stuff that she's always going to do to me. Yeah. Tracy also like is a proven liar. Like she's lied throughout the book. Like yeah. and she and she knows how to manipulate people. So like mm-hmm. I think that there's plenty of as evidence to suggest that she might have lied. Yeah. <laughs> but um I really like the scene where the narrator goes on the date with that guy. Um, yes. And they see Tracy in the show. And the narrator yes. is, like, simultaneously, like, very defensive of Tracy, but mm-hmm. also, like, furiously jealous. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, like, at the end of that section that Tracy has, like, two children. And, like, mm-hmm. that's why she has not been able to be in as, in as many things. Like, she was never on Broadway or on the West End again. And she was, like... And that she never one part, school. yeah, that one part should have belonged to Tracy. But also, okay, like not to shame Tracy or anything, but maybe you shouldn't have been like fucking a married person. When well, you were do in we guys even, and dolls. Do we even know that those are her, his kids, though? We don't know. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. 
They said she has. Well, but I mean, I I she also has three children by three different dads. So. Well, but I also don't. I blame that man much more than I blame oh, Tracy because Tracy too. also like has had no yeah. models of like healthy normal relationships. Hundred percent. And she is dating an older man mm-hmm. because she's like has had daddy issues her her entire life. Yeah. And so to me, like. I don't really blame Tracy for that relationship, and it makes perfect sense to me why she would have sought out that relationship. Oh, 100%. And I think in that relationship also was sort of her chance to regain power mm-hmm. that was, like, clearly taken to her, taken away from her as a child. Yeah. I feel um, like there was something that I wanted to say about that date, and now I don't remember. Well, I like that she is sort of impressed by him because, like, he leaves and is clearly upset with her, and she's like, wow, like, that's cool that, like, he, like, is honest yeah. and, like, doesn't kiss my ass because I'm Amy's assistant or whatever. <laughs> she acts like a psycho on that date. She really does. I thought that they were going to end up married because, like, <laughs> it acts, they're, like, my first date with. I'm like, is there ever a second date? Like, I have a feeling you never see him again. Yeah. Well, she's really bad with men because it's, like, Fern really would be good for her, but she's, like, mm, not interested. I'm going to have sex with Lamin again, which is about the most self-destructive thing that I can do. Which, like, she doesn't even like it. Like, I mean, no. like, she doesn't, like, it's not like she's, like, has feelings for him mm-hmm. or, like, she's even, like, into it. She's just, yeah. like, I am self-destructing and that is it. Mm-hmm. But I think, too, I also, like, you you aren't necessarily attracted to Fern, you know? Like, yeah, she might just not fair. not feel it. And that's fair. But then I don't think it's fair for her to, like, keep him, to expect to get to keep him in her life like she does. Well, why? They work together. Fern, frankly, should never have brought this up because they work together. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously they need, like, to have a professional relationship, but then it's like when she loses her job, she turns to him or, you know, I don't know. I think also the narrator has almost no friends. Like, she has literally nobody. Like, when when she loses her job, she's like, oh, Mm -hmm. shit, there's literally nowhere I can go because I have no relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. That are out, that are not like linked with this. Um, well, and I think also the narrator pushes people out of her life. Because like who? Oh, now, well, I've written that down, and now I have to read why I said that. Well, and it's like she rejects kind of having new relationships because it's like she could have acted like a normal person on that date, and like maybe she and that guy would have gotten along, maybe they wouldn't have, but she pushes him away. For, like, whatever reason. Um, but I think it's interesting that it's, like, she says she was a feminist who was mostly supported by men. Who, her she, mom? No. Trace, oh, Trace. Or the narrator, the narrator says that about herself. Because it's, like, she is a feminist, but, like, her, like, nurturing figure was her father. Oh. But then this book is all about her relationship with women. It's about her relationship with her mother. It's about her relationship with Tracy. And it's about her relationship with Amy. And it's about how she's always kind of submissive to the women in her life because it's, like, they are always so, like, steamrolly and, like, domineering that she kind of, like, cows back. Yeah. But I don't know. Oh, I think what I was going to say was, like, why – because I said I adore Fern and I wish the narrator would have loved him. Why couldn't she love anyone? <laughs> he had such a caring and practical. He was so caring and practical, and he had all these solutions for problems at the school. Well, I think, I think part of the answer to that though is that like, 
she doesn't feel the same connection that she's felt with anybody the same way that she's felt with Tracy. Like, I think that the the narrator has never felt as seen or as understood as she has by Tracy. Mm -hmm. And I think, which is not to say, like, I think she's in love with Tracy, but I think that, like, nothing, no romantic relationship can kind of, like, surpass that in terms of, like, connection. It sort of feels like. Yeah. But, I don't know, I... Like, I really like um, Lamon's kind of idea of, like, age mates, quote-unquote. And oh, like, yeah. kind of, like, that idea, like, in the village. It's like, oh, no, we're, like, we're, we're just age mates or, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, we grew up together. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Tracy is, like, clearly, like, the narrator's age mate. And it's it, it just makes me very sad that they can't. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many flickers of, like, connection between them when they, when the narrator eventually goes to her apartment. And it's like, can't you guys just, like, kiss and make up and be friends? Yeah. Well, especially because she goes over there and Tracy and the kids are watching South Pacific. And so even though she goes over there to really confront Tracy about all those crazy emails that she's sending to her mom because her mom is dying of cancer now and it's like yeah. the emails are really upsetting her, she she's like, I knew the girl that got lost in an afternoon watching South Pacific and I loved that girl. I know. And I loved that that's what she was showing her kids. And, like, I like that um, Tracy's clearly trying to be a really good mom. And Tracy, like, maybe is a really good mom. I mean, I think that, like, the circumstances that Tracy has been put in, Mm -hmm. like, she basically nursed her mom through cancer. She died. Mm -hmm. And now she's raising, is it three kids by herself? Mm -hmm. No men in her life. No job. I mean, and yet... Like, her family is happy, and her mm-hmm. kids are smart, and, like, they are, they are like, doing well. And, mm-hmm. like, as clearly, like, fucked up as Tracy is, mm-hmm. like, she's still managed to, like, create a world for herself, which the narrator never has. Yeah. And so, like, that's why I kind of question, at the end of the book, it's like, well, who's really one? Because the narrator's alone and has nobody, and Tracy has a family. Yeah, and they're dancing on and a balcony. they're dancing on her porch. Which is nice. Um, well, I think that, like, opportunities for women is one of the central kind of themes of this book and what it means when women are given opportunities and when they take them and when they're denied opportunities. Like, you know, Tracy is a great dancer and she's given a lot of opportunities at an early age. And then those opportunities are kind of taken from her because of you know like different aspects of her upbringing leading her to make the choices that she's making the narrator's mother takes her opportunities later in life because she didn't have opportunities when she was younger and that kind of affects the narrator the narrator has different opportunities you know and it like I think you really see that when you see Tracy and the narrator interacting where Tracy's like well you left and you got out and now you're all rich and whatever but I also have a life and you clearly don't and Hawa doesn't have a lot of opportunities and so you know she seeks what she married yeah um and even Amy to some extent and like the girls at the school Amy's clearly not happy Anyway, I mean, you know, like, 
Okay, one of the most fucked up parts or the storylines of this book is the adoption of that baby. Yeah. So like Amy, that was so weird. Amy essentially buys this baby. Like she gives this family a bunch of money so mm-hmm. that she can take this baby home, and it's like definitely not legal. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. And I think it's just like that. Like that's so taking advantage of people in a really bad situation mm-hmm. and like you cannot buy people you, no. you cannot purchase them or it's like not, bribe their parents into giving you an adopt pe- like babies are not a commodity to buy no. and sell they were not interested in giving her up no but they then loved they, her but she was like obviously this baby doesn't want to live here right why wouldn't it want to grow up with me which i mean i guess like you kind of like, there's this assumption that, well, Amy, of course, like, this baby is so blessed and so lucky. Yeah. and But it's, like, this no. baby is, like, being raised by a woman who is, like, very insane. Like, she is, like, emotionally imbalanced. Has no real conception of the child's culture. So the child is always going to grow up. Well, the child. A little girl, I should say, not yeah. just the child. The She's always going to grow up feeling outside of her life because I think that's how the narrator felt to some extent because she was half black and half white she didn't fit in anywhere or she didn't feel like she did and like you know even looked as um as a black woman in Britain she's kind of othered because that's you know that's the minority race and then even and then she goes to Africa and she's looked at as a white woman so she's othered there too and so it's like this whole book is the narrator kind of trying to figure out where she exists in the world and having a really hard time. And that's what Amy's going to do to this kid. Well, I also think, too, that there's just so much clear value placed on, like, the type of life that Amy lives, which is, like, well, you know, of course, like, her life is better than, mm-hmm. you know, the people in this village in Africa. But, like... That nanny's going to raise those kids. Well, not even that, though. But, like, I think that that's just, like, clearly making evaluation of, like, what makes a good life. Mm-hmm. And, like... Who's to say that, like, living in that village, like, surrounded by all of these people who, like, you know, your age mates Mm -hmm. and, like, these women who, like, all do things together and, like, you know, now learning at this school that's, like, you know, pretty good and... like village made Hawa and she's a delight. She's my favorite. But I think, like, there's just, like, there's this assumption that, like, of course, like, Amy's, like, rich Western life is, like, a better life than what this African community could ever give. Mm -hmm. And that's just, like, it's fucked up because Amy comes in, like, she's like, oh, I'm going to make your life so much better. But, like, ultimately, still, it's much better to live in my world than yours. That's true. And, um... But I still don't agree with the narrator's choice to sell that story to the tabloids. I don't either. Because I think, like, that was a Tracy move and it was done mm-hmm. in, in like a similar I think moment of just like anger mm-hmm. and like what can I do that's gonna hurt you the most and mm-hmm. like she just went for it and yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't out of like it wasn't out of bravery like it was out of malice and spite mm-hmm. and I don't know Shout out to James and Daryl, late additions to the book, but I loved that. They were great. This delightful gay couple renovating their Harlem house. Yep. They take her in, and then they are straight with her, and they're like, that was a really mean thing yeah. to do. You done fucked up. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. I do hate Judy, though. Oh, Judy's a bitch. Judy's a real Judy bitch. needs to get a, her own life. <laughs> Judy needs to get a boyfriend or something. Something. Um, she needs to quit. Her. She has worked for Amy for 29 years. She has literally... What I mean, also, like, the narrator also had literally no life. Like, her mm-hmm. mom was dying of cancer, and she literally hadn't seen her for... Yeah, she didn't know. Also, heart, Miriam. Miriam! Heart. Miriam. I was so sad when they broke up, and then she Miriam calls, and she's like, you know your mother is dying. You're an idiot if you didn't see that. She shouldn't have been going out to dinner with you. Yeah. And she's like, I thought you guys broke up. And she says, she will always be in my life. And when something like this happens, all that nonsense just doesn't matter. I know. Miriam. I know. Would you know, like, you freaking know that her mom would not have been there for her if she was sick. <laughs> Weakness. Yeah. I love the detail <laughs> about the mom um, where, like, it took her a year and a half to finish her book. And, like, the quote unquote noted activist that she was never dating never wrote a book, never finished his book. Yeah. And it took him 20 years. And it's like, it. I just love competency, competency and, like, yeah. women getting shit done. But I also think it's interesting that the mother is kind of constantly confronted with caretakers in, for relationships. Like, Miriam is a caretaker, mm. the father was more of a caretaker. And, like, um, that lovely nurse Alan at the hospice. Oh, he was lovely. Was a great little caretaker. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why, like, she and the noted activist were, like, both worked out very well and then very poorly because he was also not a caretaker. And it's, like, something she couldn't do. Yeah. Um, and I think this book is also very interested in caring for people and, like, the, like, politics of raising children because... Like, there's a lot of kind of, like, atypical or, like, not atypical, but, like, there's a lot of, like, child rearing that's not, like, quote, unquote, like, how you're supposed to do it. Like, the nanny, Amy's nanny is basically raising Amy's children, and then the nanny's children are being raised by the nanny's mother. Right. Because she can't Because she's there. never there, yeah. Um, And then the narrator's dad basically is the one who's doing a lot of, like, the nurturing for her Tracy doesn't really have a lot of nurturing. She has a little... Well, her mom. Her mom, but, like, I don't know that she was really... Her, like, but her mom, I think, was actually, like... I think her mom tried her best. Yeah, you know? but... Like, like I think... Because it seems like her mom also took care of Tracy's kids yeah. when Tracy had her kids, too. So I think, you know... Yeah. Shout out to Tracy's mom. Like, I think, you know, she did the best she could. It's very limited packaging. <laughs> But, but like, remember in the beginning, though, like, the narrator was jealous of, like, her mom. Yeah. She was like, her mom is, like, well, I think, the best. I think Tracy will be a better mom than her mom, but I also think that that's going to end up being Tracy's story, where it's like, she was doing her best. Well, I think, given. but I think also the reason that Tracy is going to be a better, or, like, her children are going to end up okay, are going to end up okay, is because she does not have that, like, dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she doesn't have him in her life like, constantly coming in and, like, abusing the children. Like, Tracy's mm-hmm. doing this all by herself, and, like, mm-hmm. her kids are going to be better off for that. Yeah. Or, I mean, the narrator might be involved. Okay, yeah. So what did you think of that, like, ending? So, like, the the, ver- the very end of the book, like, the mother is dying, and, like, basically the last thing she says to her is that, like, you have to go raise Tracy's children. <laughs> Which, like, comes out Take of them. <laughs> absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And, but I think there's also this assumption that the narrator would be a better mother than Tracy. And, like, no. why do we think that? I think or not why, that. Or, but, I, but I think that, like, 
I think that you have to, I think that passage sort of, like, makes you realize, like, your own, like, bias towards it. Like, it makes you question, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, like, obviously the narrator would be a better mother because yeah, she's, I like, not. That. It's like, she's a fuck up. Well, <laughs> but I think it's, like, you, you get the idea, though, that, like, you know, she's held jobs and, like, yeah. I mean, one job. Well, she would be good for the kids in that she could provide some sort of financial security. But that's But it. I don't think that she should be in the business of taking Tracy's children from Tracy. Because I think Tracy is a good mom. Or yeah. from that scene we saw, she seemed like she was doing some good stuff. I mean, like... But I think, like, them raising those children as kind of a team would be... The dream. A nice thing. But I guess, like, do you ever think that Tracy and the narrator will ever make up, like be able to get I, like, I don't know that I see I that I don't know I think that Tracy would really need to change a lot because I really I really understand and respect the narrator not wanting Tracy in her life like I don't think that there's a lot of incentive for her to keep Tracy in her life based but on I think what she, Tracy has done I think she does want Tracy in her life though like yeah. I don't I think that I think that the problem is is that Tracy feels, like, very judged by the narrator, Mm -hmm. which I think, like, the narrator can't help it. And I think as readers, too, like, we can't help it that, like, we're judging Tracy and her choices. And I think, like, you have to, like, continue to check yourself where you're like, okay, like, I got to take a step back. Yeah. But I think, like, Tracy is so defensive with the narrator because she is feeling constantly judged. Yeah. And But I think, like, taking a step back is kind of, like, what the mom does when Tracy's not close friends with the narrator where she's able to take that step back and like you said last week view her as kind of a part of this community that she wants to help but then when she's actually in your life and in your family you're like I can't have this yeah I can't have you writing 50 emails a day to my mom harassing her I can't have you wanting to destroy my relationship with my father by sending me a weird letter like I understand and have empathy for Tracy and all the decisions that she makes, but that doesn't mean that I want her in my life at all. But see, I like I want I want them to be friends. <laughs> I want Tracy to succeed and have a good life, but I I mean, I'm very different from the narrator, thank God. But and like I would like it if they could find their way back to each other, but I think that it's Tracy that has to grow. You don't think the narrator has to grow? I think the narrator has to grow, but not for their relationship to, like, succeed. See, I think the narrator has no relationships, though. Like, she essentially has let every relationship go. And and so... and, And I think, like, you watch... But I think it's because she's so passive. Like, I think she pushes everyone away. And I think she doesn't understand... Because I don't think that she felt like her parents loved her for some reason. And so I don't think that she knows how to really love other people. And I don't think that Tracy... She thought her dad loved her. I guess, but then then she was like, it's ruined. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think her relationship with her mother was, like, very complex. Because Mm -hmm. her her mother, like, basically nothing was ever good enough for her. And so she's constantly... It broke my heart when her mother visited her at college and was like, this is basically a fucking hotel. And you're not doing anything important. Like, what a horrible thing to say to your kid who's proud of what she's doing at school. I know. Jesus. Which, like, I just, like, 
the I don't understand the mom's motivation there. Like, is she right. thinking like exactly like why would you say that? Like, are you are you just like really gonna light a fire under her? Like, that's yeah. not that's Stick not gonna to work. Sending those sweet emails or whatever kind of emails she was sending, like the one liners. Yeah, I did love that she was like my mother, who was always curious about new technology, <laughs> signed up for email immediately. I wonder, like, it's, like, like what if Tracy, like, once the mom dies, like, feels sorry and reaches out to the narrator? And they, like, she would do that. Get lunch. <laughs> get lunch. I don't know. Or she, like, has her over. She'll be, like, big deal. My mom died, too. I don't. <laughs> I feel much more sympathy for Tracy than you do. I have sympathy for Tracy, but I don't like her. Like, it's, like, I I feel like I'm almost, like, the narrator's mom, where it's, like, I have a lot of sympathy for her, and I, like, see her as a part of that community. And so it's, like, I don't blame her for that, for the choices that she's making, because it's just, like, you know, she's, like I said last week, she's so well-developed that you understand why she is the way she is and why she makes a lot of her decisions, but I still think that she has to be responsible for them. And, like, you can't just say, you know, oh, it doesn't matter because you had a fucked up childhood. Well, I'm certainly not saying it doesn't matter. But I I just think that, like, I think that ultimately both girls fill a hole in each other's lives Mm -hmm. that, like, really can't be replaced by anybody else. Mm -hmm. And... And so it just makes me sad, like, especially, like, they both are, like, very much alone now. Like, now at this point, Tracy's mom has died and, like, she has her kids, but, like, she's doing it all by herself. Yeah. And then the narrator, like, her mom has now died and she literally has nobody. Like, she maybe kind of has Fern, who's like, I am only interested in dating you, so. (laughs) But she could have had Tracy when they reconciled after college and she was working with her and then Tracy finds out she gets a job and then writes her that letter. Right, because I, but I think... Bitch. And, like, she was hanging out with her at the bar with her, like, married lover instead of going and, like, never saying, like, you shouldn't be doing this. And they were, like, smoking weed together. And they could have had that. But Tracy ruined it. Because Tracy felt like she was being left behind. Yeah. Like, but, like, like if she had just said, you're leaving me behind or, like, done something or, like, not done that, like, she was the one who blew up that friendship at that moment. Right, because she felt like she was being left behind, and so yeah. it needed to be on her terms. Yeah. like, But the, she didn't have to do that because they didn't have to lose touch. But they would have lost it. I mean, like, I guess, like, the thing is is that the narrator ultimately in her life, like, her tra- trajectory was to leave everything behind yeah. at, at home. But it's also, like, Tracy is on a great path in that moment where she's, I mean, no, it's not great that she's having an affair with a married man, but she's in... She's dancing very well in a play mm-hmm. that's on the West End that got extended, and she has a good part. Like, there's every reason to believe that Tracy will succeed. And, like, maybe yeah. if they had stayed friends, she could have. I'm not saying that she failed by getting pregnant and staying where she was um, and, like, basically, like, repeating her mom's life. But she could have had the life she wanted. Yeah. It 
It's very sad. I it just, is sad. I just want them to be friends, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a, som- <laughs> it's a somber note. Oh, what did you give this on Goodreads? I gave it five stars. And I said I gave it five stars because even though not everything happened the way that I wanted it to, and I wish um, the narrator had taken more of control of her own life, um, and you know, because she was really quite passive. Uh, I thought that the book was, like, just so complex. And, like, it's, like, packed like a diamond with yeah. with just, like, different themes. And there's so much there's so much to talk about. Like, you could, you could read this book in so many different avenues, I feel like. Yeah. And there's just so much going on. And it's going on in a really nuanced way, which I really loved. That it was, like, not – like, I liked that Zadie Smith was both – you know, really championing championing the mother for being this scholar, yeah. but also showing like, oh, but that was making her maybe not the best mom. And like, look at her. Like, aren't we so proud of her that she's become this activist and she's on TV? But like, is that also taking away from her ability to work in the community? And like, um, yeah. I just think that there was no, there was no one who was perfect. Like. I thought it was so great the way that they showed that even, you know, great intentions have their drawbacks and there's no, like, perfect answer or easy solution to any of the problems that are in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I liked that it celebrated African culture but also didn't um, demonize the narrator for enjoying, like, things that like Rakim hated yeah like she she could like and love Fred Astaire mm-hmm. and then see also problems with it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because I think that that's very indicative of the world we live in now mm-hmm. and you know and I think I think Zadie Smith would be annoyed by you know like debates of like oh well you know we can't you know, like a black person couldn't enjoy Gilmore Girls because there there are no significant people of color in it, or like, but it's just like the hope that things will get better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I gave it four stars. Okay. Um, and it's it's funny because I always finish usually after you because I usually do it like the hour before <laughs> we record. Um, and so I do usually see your like I I I don't look first, but I do mine and then I look to see and compare. Um. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the book for all the reasons that you said. And um, I think for me, I, like, especially loved the, like, two kind of central, like, relationship struggles. Like, the one between her and her mother and the one between her and Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I, like, found them, like, very, I don't know. I, I was very emotionally invested in both of those things. Yeah. I guess, like, the reason I didn't give it five stars was just because I just, like, found the narrator very boring. Yeah, I'm tired of narrators like this. Yeah. I'm really tired. I feel like it's such, it's a very modern type of narrator where it's just like, oh, I just don't know. I have a lot going on with my upbringing and my life and really insecure. And I I think, like, the biggest, the time where I knew for sure that she was one of, like, quote, unquote, like, those narrators was when she started sleeping with Lamin for no reason. Because, like, I feel like that's, like, such a move of, like, the passive narrator to do something sexually destructive just to be, like, yeah, it was, like, like, but it means nothing to me. And you're, like, 
Yeah. Um, I also just, like, didn't love the Amy storyline No, I didn't care about that very much. Um, But, like, I would recommend it to people, though. Yeah. It's a rare book for me that gets a five. Okay. So, I will will say that. Like, I think, like, I, I have a lot of fours. Yeah, I would say... I like, won't hesitate in, to give a three either. Enjoyment-wise, it was maybe a four, but it was just, like, the... I just am so impressed by, like, just how nuanced everything is. Yeah. And that it's, like, it feels like everything... There's so much going on. It's, like, just, like, a little bit under the surface, and you just have to, like... You can just, like, tunnel on in there. Yeah. And that's why I gave it a five. Yeah. So, you know... So I guess we're not going to announce what we're doing next week because we have to figure it out first. Yeah. So I got a new job, and the training is next week in New York, and it's Sunday to Friday. Sex in the city over here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's Sunday to Friday, so Cher and I have a couple of options to mull over. Yeah. Our next book, like our next Queen Bee book, is going to be Call Me By Your Name, Mm -hmm. which I purchased. I've not purchased it yet. Did you, by the way, um, did you see that they're opening an Amazon books on M Street? Yes. Let's burn it. Dislike. <laughs> no, it's opening right next door to the Nike of fucking course. Um, that used to, that Nike used to be a Barnes & Noble, by the way. I know, heartbreaking. What a bummer. Which, I mean, like, if it was an independent bookstore, really, it would be heartbreaking. But. Yeah, seriously. Um, like, put an independent bookstore on M Street. That would be like great. Like a good one. Yeah. Well, politics is, and prose is supposed to be pretty close to here. It's not. Like, it's not. You can't walk to it. It's like, it's like kind Do of sell fiction on the way to Bethesda. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, they sell fiction. They okay. um, they have, like, a lot of very good speakers come. Oh, that's what that's, I, yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. Um, it's like in Chevy Chase. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. no, I'm thinking of something different. I was talking about politics and prose, but is that the store that sometimes Georgetown would tell us to buy our books at? Really? Uh, the Georgetown bookstore. I feel like there was one, a couple of my teachers have said, like, go to this independent bookstore instead. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't feel like politics and prose, like, would be that much cheaper. No. To be honest. No, so. I don't think it would be at all. But I think that they just would have rather us spend our money there instead of at the Georgetown bookstore. Or at Amazon. Reason. Yeah, that's true. Um, the devil, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I've been dealing with some really annoying Amazon drama at work, so F you, Amazon. <laughs> Jeff Bezos looks like a shark. Well, his company acts like one, too. Yeah, don't like it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so our next book will be Call Me By Your Name so we can be a part of the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should see the movie also and then talk see, about it. See, yes, but I want to finish the book first. Yes, agree. Okay, okay. No, I feel like we should do our book because it, it's short. Like, I think we could do it in two episodes. Oh, really? It's like 200-something pages. Oh, easy. Yeah, easy. Okay. Um, and then we could do the third episode, us seeing the movie and having our, like, you know. Like. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that our next episode is necessarily going to be Call Me By Your Name, just because we might just, so either if we put out the episode next Thursday, it either will be <laughs> Call Me By Your Name, or if we're pinched, we might do another Harry Potter extravaganza. <laughs> But we're mulling over choices, and we'll we'll, we'll keep let you, you updated. Know. We'll let you know. 
I know you guys are anxiously waiting to I know. know so. There might be two episodes in one week. Wait, we have shout-outs. Oh, yeah. Shout-out to my friend Jess McCune for leaving a review and for also live-texting me while she listens to our episodes. Yeah, you're an inspiration. We love you. Yes, I love all of your texts, and thank you very much for leaving a review. Yeah. Everyone else should also leave a review. Yes, you should rate and review and subscribe so that all of your friends can listen to this podcast, too, because, I mean, honestly. Who wouldn't love us? Right. All right, well. Thank you for listening. Yeah. I don't know when we'll be back, but it will be It will be soon. (laughs) It'll be soon, but. (laughs) All right, well. Bye. Bye.